Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Coming to you from fabulous Las Vegas. The right side is the winning side. The late move is the correct move. Sports betting capital of the world. We all know when a sharp like me weighs in, the lines move. It's a party for your ears. (laughs) This is The Buffet with Chad and Scooch. I want to buy that guy a buffet. This is The Buffet with Chad and Scooch. Massive, massive show today because we are in the middle of NBA playoffs. And we posted a story on the Action Network yesterday that has blown up a little bit by um, our own legendary degenerate slash writer slash editor slash everyone's favorite better, uh, Stucky, in which he posted seven props that he wishes he could see on a board and that he has asked the Twitterverse to take the other side on he's already getting he's already gotten a ton of action everything from like free throw shooting contests to you know when will a 16 beat a one again to will the the patriots win the super bowl in the next three years he's going to come on in a little bit with lauren joffe they're going to talk about those props other props they'd like to see you can join us on our itunes page at the buffet uh the, the buffet page for itunes um we want you to do this week, you can put in your rate, your ratings and your reviews, but what we want you to do this week is post your favorite prop bet ever with a friend and the winner chosen by a very subjective group of me and Mike Grinnell and our other producer, Matt Mitchell. We will give you a free subscription to the Action Network. So go on to the buffet itunes page post your favorite prop bet with a friend tell the story we will choose the winner you'll get a free subscription but first before we get to all of that my guest worldwide wob twitter nba sensation talent extraordinaire rob perez from cycle media what's going on man hey so i i have my own uh, friend prop bet, I guess I can share with you now that you just brought it up. Uh, one of my best friends from home uh, is a diehard, the only diehard Brooklyn Nets fan, all the way back to the Jersey Nets days. Like we've gone to war, Knicks versus Nets, since as long as we've known each other. And he was adamant this was the year that the, the Nets would come back and they'd make the playoffs and they'd overachieve. And I go, I will bet you that they don't win 30 games this year. And this was before the over-under came out in Vegas. So I, I 
he's not he's not as well uh, educated in knowing what the number was going to be, so I inflated it a little bit. But the number was 30, and the bet was this. The bet was if the Nets win more than 30 games, so it was really 30 would be a push. If they win more than 30 games, meaning 31 or more, uh, I will publicly admit on Buckets, our show, that I lost this bet to you and I doubted the Nets. But if they don't, I get to take your phone and I get to text anyone that I want from your phone. And he took it. And they only, <laughs> I think they only got the 28 wins. And I haven't, I haven't cashed in my bet yet, but I'm kind of just – it's that scene from Family Guy where Stewie's like – or Brian's, I'm going to get you back. You don't know when it's coming. And Stewie just the entire episode is like tweaking out because he's worried about it. So I've just been holding it over his head that one of these days I'm going to cash in this bet, and I know exactly who I'm texting. Yeah, I was going to say, you know exactly – you know where the text is, and you know where it's going, you know what it's going to say. 100%. This poor guy. From day one. Yeah. That I got to say, that has become a thing that you've got to be so careful. So I have a similar prop bet, which I've talked about in the podcast before, but me and my best friend, Matt, every year we will do, you know, with a, the pick'em contest on ESPN.com and we'll pick every, every NFL game against the spread. And at the end of the year, uh, the loser um, is sent second place trophies. And you can send as I mean, ultimately, the winner ends up losing out because the winner ends up spending so much money on trophies, but you don't care because it's all about pride. And so I have sent him, I've won the past four years and like in crushing, embarrassing, like, I don't even know why he plays anymore fashion. And I will send these trophies that are just like worst loss in a week. And pick them history, biggest loss in a season in pick them history. And I will send four or five trophies. One year I sent a four foot trophy that needed to be put together that I uh, called his wife and made his kids uh, put together with him as like a weekend project. Um, That's petty. It's, it's so petty, <laughs> but so like the meaner it can be, the better, right? So one year right. we were actually, uh, the, he, he and I went to Oxford, Mississippi. We went to spend the weekend with Wright Thompson, who was a writer for ESPN, and a lot of people know who he is, writes really great stories. So we went down to spend the weekend with him. And you go to visit Wright, and there's going to be like food and moonshine involved. And we ended up at some party, and there was homemade coconut moonshine that tasted better than anything you've ever had in your entire life. Honest to God, this was so good. And, you know, me and my buddy, two northerners, uh, are sitting there in the kitchen of this party. And like, before you know it, this moonshine is gone. And we are spinning like you wouldn't believe the rest <laughs> of the night. It is, it is like, it is ugly, right? Like we end up at Wright's house, like God knows when. And I've got one foot on the floor, one foot on the couch, just trying to keep myself steady. And uh, I keep hearing my buddy giggling. And he, I look up finally and he's at the kitchen counter and he's like in hysterics. He's laughing so hard because he was um, going into Facebook and like he got in my phone and was going into Facebook and just writing random things on the pages of people that I hadn't seen since high, since high school. Like, oh my God, Bobby, you look amazing. It looks like you're really working out. I love the pictures that you're showing on the beach with your family. That's so great. Like all these things uh, of people that I hadn't spoken to in God knows how long. Uh, and so I am, I'm fearful for your friend. <laughs> that's, that's a good way to end the story right there. So yeah, you know what? The, the purpose of the story is I'm fearful. 
but yeah, he should be. He should be. <laughs> so really what happens when you take bad numbers, though. That's the beauty of these prop bets. Like they are so much fun, and it's what sort of the, it's the magic of what Stucky captured, and what he'll come on and talk about later on the podcast is like um, you. The the more inventive and creative you can get the more fun it is. And sometimes it's not even the money that matters, right? It's like, that's what I want people to write about when people submit on the iTunes page for the buffet, like submit what the stakes were because the stakes are always better when it's not money, because then it's something that sort of makes people laugh and there's a lot of humiliation involved. And who doesn't, who doesn't like humiliation? I wonder if you, one day you could bet Vegas without money. Could you bet room nights? Could you bet buffets? But like, what would the, what would the transaction be from the customer? Would it be money or would it be a service? Like you, get, you have well, to go that's the wash choice, dishes right? for an hour. Maybe it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like you can bet uh, the, the VIG is like, you know, it's, it's a 10% VIG or um, you're getting like, you can, you can bet money or you can bet to get paid in a buffet that is worth like the cost of your bet plus the payback. You know what I mean? I'd so be, if I'm betting like, yeah, I'd be, it, Go ahead. I was going to say, I'd be interested to see a bet that you become like a casino act in the way that if your bet loses, you have to spend one hour in this tank that is just in the middle of Las Vegas Boulevard with branding on it. And you spend 60 minutes in there if you lose and then you come back out after you're done. But if you win, you get free tickets to Cirque du Soleil tonight. You down? You know, like this is the box of shame. Are you willing to risk the box of shame? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Most people going to Vegas would love to be in that box on the strip. Exactly. That's why I would get so many bets and be great for publicity. That is so, you know what? Until someone makes a big deal out of it and says that like what you're doing is shameful because that's, that's the age we live in in 2018. But you would make them sign a waiver that says, I am willing to do this. I am willing to be shamed. Also, I feel like in Vegas, like the, the Twitter rules are suspended. Sort of everything that is (laughs) fearful outside of Vegas um, is 100% okay in Vegas. That, that I will agree with that, that if something happens in Vegas, it is outside the realm of 2018 PC culture. You signed up for it. You're in Vegas. You're on your own. I once went to Vegas um, for my bachelor party and going out that night, my friends, like we're all getting ready to go to dinner and stuff. And my friends, as I'm walking into the room, one of the rooms, they're like, Hey, uh, you look great tonight. I'm like, thanks. And they're like, but that's not what you're wearing. And they break out a full-on one-piece polyester Elvis jumpsuit with an Elvis wig and Elvis glasses and made me wear it the entire night that I was in Vegas. And greatest night of my entire life. Did you get any tours coming up there trying to take pictures with you? That's very at one point, um, one of the dealers asked me to get up and dance when I was at a blackjack table, which I did. I did an Elvis impersonation. Um, well done. If we were inclined to go to a strip club for my bachelor party, I would tell you that um, when we went outside to get a cab, uh, we would have gotten a free ride in a limo if we were inclined to go to a strip club where if there was a line, then we were given uh, – first entry because we did not have to wait because I was Elvis. I, th- I think you just spawned the idea here of a new podcast that needs to happen, whether it's with you or someone that maybe has a arsenal of stories just called Vegas Tales, tales from the Vegas crypt or something that 
it's just every episode is a different story. The, the same way that book Chicken Soup for the Soul back in the 90s was out, it was like the feel-good story. We yeah. had a Chicken Soup for the Vegas Soul, uh, but not good stories, but like well, just funny, self-deprecating stories that ended up on a Spike TV episode of Jail. We are one step ahead of you, my friend, because we are doing that podcast with Blackjack Fletcher. He's, uh, we're developing it go. as we speak. You're like on top of it. You're like a, a <laughs> that genius was a complete for this guess, stuff. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of genius, you have, uh, you know, Worldwide Wob, Rob Perez, that is the guest in the podcast, probably um, one of the most influential NBA follows on Twitter. And NBA Twitter is probably one of the most influential things in all of Twitter. And your rise to sort of dominance as an NBA fan turned NBA connoisseur turned NBA talent professional has largely been marked by your success on Twitter. I need you to break this down for people because I don't think people truly get like, oh, you know, if they're following you, they see sort of how active you are and sort of the sensibility that you have. Explain to people how this happened, how World Wide Web developed. Also explain to people like if they're not in the know, um, what the worldwide wob is sort of an homage to um and give people the right. backstory on how this happened well yeah i get asked a lot where i thought of the name uh worldwide west was a power broker influencer agent marketer type from the early to mid 2000s that was involved with lebron james and all the all the major stars at the time and i always just loved how he was this behind the scenes kind of dude that was controlling the nba i Every every story that leaked, every business transaction that happened, always went back to World Wide West's you know fingerprints were on top of it. So World Wide West is the worldwide part, and then the Wob part is just my fifth grade girlfriend from elementary school couldn't pronounce the letter R correctly, so it always sounded like Wob. So people called me Wob at the end of elementary school through middle school, high school, and so on and so on. So it just became World Wide Wob was the that's the reason why that name exists in the first place. Uh, and as for the actual personality itself, honestly, there was never a, what's the, what's the yodel kid's name? Gordon Ramsay, I think, or is that the, the chef guy? <laughs> I think that's Mason chef. Ramsay. <laughs> Mason Ramsay. So I didn't have my yodel Walmart moment where, you know, the Ken Bone debate moment where you just hockey stick overnight. Uh, maybe part, I can attribute part of the success of what we've built to this point as it's been just a slow drip uh, from as far back as I can remember. I've always just watched the NBA as a fan, and I've wanted to share watching it as a fan different than how other fans currently watch it. So you have fans that are very much into the X's and O's. So, you know, what, what's a flex cut? What's, a, what's an elevator screen? You know, there's, there's, there's a conversation to be had there. Then there's you know, the bar kind of conversation where you just talk about who's better, MJ or LeBron. I wanted to find kind of the medium there. And while I'm still giving hot takes, uh, I do want to sh show the league through a lens that was never seen before. So if that is uh, unnecessary drama or pettiness that happens on the court, things like bench mobs, things like crossovers and dunks, uh, I really wanted to flash a spotlight on that. And when I was getting started, an app called Vine came around in 2012, I think, 2011, whenever the hell that came out. And it gave me the ability to show the world what it is I was talking about this entire time. 
And granted, I didn't really have that many followers. It was, again, very, very slow coming in. But I knew when I got the opportunity for one thing to take off, I would have this massive portfolio of stuff to show someone willing to give me a shot. So when that moment did come, I had thousands and hundreds of thousands of words ready to go to show anyone giving, willing to give me a chance on a freelance type of contract. Uh, Vine really was the start of being able to illustrate my opinions. And then Periscope came out in 2015, 2016, maybe. And that permitted me to kind of do a live interaction with the fan base. So I've always just looked forward to what's the next thing that hasn't someone hasn't planted their flag, their flag on the space yet. Zach Lowe, someone that will always dominate the X's and O's conversation, well-respected voice, has established himself over the better part of a decade. You know, I, I want to plant my flag on the space of watching the game as a fan, and I'm going to continue to stick to that until it breaks. And so tell me about your fandom. Like, how did you, you mentioned you're a Knicks fan. I know you grew up outside New York. Like, explain to people how you came to this, uh, how you came to this game. You're, you're talking about the, 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 where I'm at now with the show or just how I'm such a, so how you NBA... became such a big NBA fan. Oh yeah. So, I mean, I, my dad and mom met at NBC sports. They were in just sales, you know, media sales, ad sales at the time. And that's when NBC had every sport. They had like the world series they had every NBA game under the sun. Uh, so we ended up going to a bunch of games just because tickets were available uh, when I was a little kid. So I grew, just grew up outside New York, became a huge Knicks fan. I even went to Market Square Arena, Game 6, 1994 in Indianapolis, the game where Spike Lee showed up to after getting the choke sign from Reggie Miller, you know, that, that whole deal. So just being a part of that whole 90s basketball, I, I never missed a game. Like, I was, I was obsessed with it. And then going to North Carolina, Chapel Hill, they have good, somewhat decent basketball team there. Basketball has just always kind of been in my blood. And then when the NBA kind of transitioned out of the 90s and there was that, that lull of the early 2000s where, you know, ratings weren't good and it wasn't really talked about as a prominent sport that much anymore, then social media came around and just this culture developed uh, when I was coming out of college, if you will, to, at the end, middle to end of the 2000s where uh, it just became this basketball, professional basketball kind of became this sports religion, and it's just sucked me in ever since. It really is the kind of sport, though, and we talk about this a lot in sort of any form of media, that is so progressive, and I don't mean any of this in a political way. Like, it is, it is progressive and inclusive in the way it embraces fandom. And to bring it back to what you were saying earlier, the way it allows people to manipulate highlights and post them in various social media and sort of enjoy being passionate about the athleticism and the kookiness and sort of the great plays makes people feel more passionate about it. It creates a virtuous cycle there. And they've been really good about, about emboldening people to do all that. Yeah, that's, that is what has taken the NBA, fast forward to 2018, you know, current time, uh, just the ability to engage with the league on and off the court. So what does the NBA have advantage of over other sports uh, when it comes to marketing? NBA players, they don't wear helmets and they don't wear masks. Hockey, baseball, football, they all wear helmets and masks. It's hard to see 
their face 24 seven when you're watching, you know, the broadcast and just being able to experience those emotions and seeing the way LeBron, KD and all these stars react in real time uh, is is an experience that is not only something amazing live, but it's the reason why ratings continue to go up is there's some sort of human element to it. And that's just one checkbox. You know, the second is they, they allow there. I shouldn't say they allow, but they're very open to sharing content on social media, whether, you know, you, you pay for the licensing rights or not. And I'm referring to bootleg type of highlights and mashup videos and stuff like that. They see there's no right or wrong when it comes to this business mentality, but the NBA is on the end of the spectrum. That is, okay, you're bootlegging our, our games and our product, but you're sharing it and that gets other people to watch the program. The other end of the spectrum is we own this content. We want to monetize every single eyeball on it. But what happens is you shut down uh, accounts that are trying to share the content because it doesn't come from the main source, and therefore you don't have so many people talking about it. Again, there's no right or wrong way to do the business, but if you want it to become talked about and everything just go completely viral, as much as a, a Instagram like that Kyrie has late at night can go viral because the NBA has built this culture of share, share, share. Um, and I really think that the product is great. You can argue whether you like the NBA game itself. You know, there's plenty of opinions on that. But what's really tough to argue against is how they've integrated uh, social media culture, not only into the game, but into fans' real life as well. So social media has become such a huge part of the way people are reacting to these games like in real time you know there were all those tweets and all those reactions from nba players to lebron when he made that game winning shot that he banked that game winning shot the other night and then more to what happened uh we're recording this on tuesday afternoon more to what happened last night when they swept the raptors when you look at that series how much did what lebron did in that series surprise you and how much did what the raptors didn't do surprise you yeah, it's really the most impressive thing about LeBron James is that we continue to not be surprised by what he does. This is a man in his 15th season that is headed towards his God knows how many Eastern Conference finals in a row. Uh, and the most impressive box score statistic that he has isn't even a box score stat. It's his durability that he's played all 82 games that he continues in year 15 to put up these 45, 48 minute games while playing 82 games plus an entire postseason, And then every four years, he usually goes and plays in the Olympics for the entire summer too. So just, am I, am I shocked? I shouldn't be, but this Cavs team really stinks. They're really not good. And this is as good of a Raptors team as we've ever seen. We've, it's been, you're starting to feel a little Stockholm syndrome when it comes to the Raptors because this was the year, right? They had every piece they needed. DeRozan and Lowry, these guys are starting on the all-star team, uh, if not this year, but at some point. They have reached the peak of their powers, and to watch them just get waxed by a team that has no business. That Cleveland Cavaliers team wins 15 games without LeBron James throughout the entire regular season. Just to watch him continue to drag them through the depths of hell, uh, 
I, I, I don't want to say it's shocking because we've seen it so many times. It's just more shocking that he can do it in year 15. And, yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed in the Raptors, even though I, I, I shouldn't be because we've been down this road before. But, my God, like, at this point, how do you ever exercise those demons? So let me uh, challenge you a little happen. bit. Let me challenge you a little bit because Matt Moore had a great story on Action Network today, actionnetwork.com, that basically said I was wrong about the Raptors because he had been on the Raptors all year, a little bit like you were just saying and saying this is a different Raptors team. And then he went through a litany of things that described why the Cavs sort of won. And one note he had in there is that this Cavs team isn't as bad as people think and that defensively they obviously played great. Um, Offensively, they were off the charts. Like, what are you going to do if, you know, you know, J.R. Smith is shooting God knows what he was shooting from behind the arc and everybody else was doing that. But um, the defensively, this actually has been a pretty good team in the playoffs. So I don't know that I think they're as bad as we thought they were. Maybe they're just getting better right now. Maybe sort of the trades and sort of everyone is becoming a little bit better and supporting LeBron in a more consistent way. Yeah, so the biggest before the trades happened, the biggest issue was that these guys, Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, uh, God, I even forgot all the other guys that, and at some some point, Kyrie Irving too. You, if you play with LeBron James, you better fall into line. He is the alpha of all alphas. It's his team, and he's always kind of lived and played by this uh, father figure, big brother type of culture every single team that he's gone to in the one year that he didn't he let wade you know run the show was in miami they ended up losing to dallas mavericks in that first first summer and then lebron decided you know what i'm lebron i'm, I'm retaking over but in regards to his deep and like the team's defense the same way that there's there's a tweet for everything there's also a stat for everything i'm sure i can find a stat that says they're the best team in the league and there's a stat that says they're the worst team in the league but i know what i'm seeing and what i'm seeing is lebron at the peak of his powers is not only the best player in the world offensively whatever you want to say he's the best player in the world because he makes his teammates better and not just better but he's got all of these guys maxing out their potential. So if Kevin Love's role on this team is to not be that low post uh, Minnesota Timberwolves 30 and 15 type guy, but to run baseline to baseline and hit threes, J.R. Smith, same thing. Kyle Korver, same thing. We're going to put four out, one in when Tristan Thompson's in the game, and we're just going to let LeBron create for everyone else. Um, it, it works because when you have LeBron, you support him with shooters, and that's the way the 2018 game is played. I will continue to say that their defense stinks, and just talent-wise, when LeBron's not on the floor, this team stinks. I, I don't know how else to put it. I don't have any stats in front of me to support my cause, but I know what I'm watching, and they have zero, zero rim protection of any kind. The only way you're going to beat LeBron is to beat – that's why Jonas Valanciunas was such a disappointment, because you, whenever he got the ball on the block, it's like, dude, just turn around and lay it in. It shouldn't be that difficult. You got Kevin Love on you, who's four or five inches smaller. The only big guy they got on their team that's even worth a damn is Tristan Thompson. He's not known for his defense. He's known for his rebounding. So you wanna, you're begging these teams to take advantage of the Cavs' biggest weakness, and maybe it is a testament to their defense that no one's been able to expose it yet. But if you run into the Sixers somehow, if they pull off this 3-0 comeback, or if, if Boston gets the ball to Horford down low, you got anyone that can stop these guys? The answer is no. And that's what Golden State will do in the finals when they sweep them.
All right. So, well, you, you've, you've jumped ahead to my question. So, um, you know, your way around a betting parlor, you know, your way around a sports book, uh, handicap. Let's, let's, let's assume the Celtics are going to finish off the Sixers. So handicap for me, a I'm not Cavs. ready to say that yet. I'm not ready to say that yet before you all right, keep going. Then, all right. The, then handicap for me, uh, how this series plays out between the Celtics and the Sixers, you know, bear in mind, we're recording this on Tuesday. It'll post sometime right. Wednesday. I think that's when the next game is. Um, tell me how this series plays out and then tell me what you think the series odds should be for Cavs Celtics or Cavs Sixers. So down three Oh, the 76ers were by, from what I saw, they were plus six eighties plus 700 or something to win the series. Down 0-3, never done before, and you've got the Warriors minus 50,000, you've got the Rockets minus 20,000, but you've got the Sixers, like, they're still in it. There's a reason why there's tall towers in Las Vegas, right? And it's not because they give away lines, make them too easy to bet. You'd figure bet the Celtics minus 900 or whatever it is. Uh, it's, it's a stone-cold lock. They're not the better team. They're the better coach team. The Sixers are better in every facet of the game. And I'm not ready to say that this series is over. Because if the Sixers win Game 5, they're going to win that series. Uh, it all comes down to Game 5 for me. So if I'm going to cap a potential Sixers, Cavs, or Celtics, Cavs, Eastern Conference Finals, I still think, I'm willing to go on record and say, I still think the Sixers are going to win this series and be the first team. We're going to see a 16 seed beat a one, and we're going to see an NBA team come back from 0-3. So if the Sixers do end up winning this series, they have the Cleveland Cavaliers kryptonite, which is the most dominant big man in the league. They've got an up-and-coming Shaquille O'Neal with a three-point jump shot, and every single time they played this year, the Cavs didn't have a shot in hell of guarding this guy. He will feast upon their flesh like we're watching some, some Lord of the Rings scene. Uh, if I have to put a number on it, you're not, you're not not making LeBron James the favorite unless it's the Golden State Warriors. So I'm, you're, you're going to throw out uh, Cavs. They're going to be on the road. Cavs minus 130, 76ers plus 110. But uh, – you have to imagine there's going to be a lot of sharp money on the 76ers there. Now, if they don't pull it off, you're going to have the Celtics, who are the overachievers, the better coach team, and they're going to certainly be the better coach team against uh, Cleveland as well. Uh, so Boston's got home court. It, the Cavs, I think, win that series to make the finals. And I think the 76ers beat the Cavs, but the, the Cavs beat the Celtics. So, so if I'm putting is, a number on it. Yeah, put a number on it. If I'm putting a number on Celtics, Cavs, I wish I came prepared for this because uh, I'm not a bookmaker. But It's a betting podcast. What else be... could we possibly be talking I about? <laughs> well, I didn't know I had to book action on hypothetical Eastern <laughs> Conference Finals here. I'm making the Cavs minus – it's very similar. I'm making them a minus 140, minus 150 just because they don't have home court. And you have to make sure that first game is pretty similar to the series price. Otherwise, everyone's just going to load up on the first game. So I'm thinking minus 140, minus 150 probably on the Cavs. If they were home, you're looking at minus 330, minus 350, but they don't have home court. So It does get really interesting. You're not wrong about the Sixers. They are a one-point favorite tomorrow night in Boston. And look, they, they, felt like a very, they felt like a very different team last night. I was on the Sixers last night. I was on them at six and a half. Uh, in our side action Slack channel here at Action Network, um, I had a bet against PJ Walsh, who 
thought he was baiting me into taking that bet, but I was all over it. And um, I would take the Sixers again as one-point favorites on the road in Boston. But here's where it gets interesting. After game three, all of the conversation was Brad Stevens is a genius, best coach in the NBA, best, you know, tactician in the NBA. If the Celtics lose this series, does that narrative change? Is he no longer a genius? Like, how do people get out of the hole of having said that he is the greatest coach in the history of the NBA? Yeah, I, th- I think that's true that the narrative does change, and it would deserve to change. If you're the coach responsible for blowing an 0-3 lead, 3-0 lead, you can't be known as the best coach in the league. And he doesn't have any rings either. But we see the brilliance in some of these breakdowns that have come out on, whether it's like the Ringer or SB Nation, they break down these final ATOs that Brad Stevens, like six or seven times, he draws up these just ludicrous plays that not only get his guys open, but he does them on defense too. He's always one step ahead. So the basketball brilliance is there, but it's absolutely essential that they close this series out if we're going to continue saying that he's the best coach in the league. He can't lose a 3-0 lead. End of story. Uh, but, yeah, the, the Sixers are a better, better basketball team that's just getting outcoached. Uh, and that could be responsible for losing a series. So we'll find out in Game 5 exactly uh, what Brett Brown and what the 76ers are made of because they should be dominating. And there's a reason why they're favored. What I don't like is the narrative that Brett Brown isn't a good coach because this is a guy who no, has really... No, no one's saying that. Well, I, I feel like people are saying that. Like when you, when you, when you frame it as Brad Stevens is outcoaching this guy and doing this much of a better job, it's almost like it feels like you're putting a dunce cap on the other guy. And I feel like he's a really good coach who has done a phenomenal job basically coaching a team from, you know, a metaphor from high school to the NBA, right? Like he has built that team, built that culture, and done a great job of sort of trying to find ways to keep everyone together and build something that they can be proud of. And it feels a little sad to me that he's being compared to Brad Stevens because of these sort of out-of-bounds plays that uh, and, and after timeout plays and um and being and and suffering by comparison in a in an uneven way that's what i think yeah so if if that's the case then Brad's then everyone else is a bad coach too cuz Brad Stevens has been out coaching everyone not named Steve Kerr or Budenholzer you know multiple times throughout the regular season every single year since he's been the the Celtics head coach what it's not that Brett, Brett Brown is a bad coach. He's just getting outcoached for the first three games, but he won game four. So you could say he outcoached Brad Stevens in game four. Now the narrative has changed. What makes Brad Stevens great is watching this team of overachievers. They're missing half their, their squad. Like All their all-stars are injured. And what's impressive is that it's not that he's just winning games. It's that he's got a system in place, and he can take anyone off that bench. He could put Yabuselli in Nader and all these guys all the way at the end with Greg Monroe and probably go out there and close out this series. And that's a testament not only to the culture that he's created amongst his players, but something's working. And when he continues to succeed in these clutch 
uh, situations and eight again I'm going to keep alluding to ATOs because of just how special he is at drawing those things up uh, where, where there's smoke there's usually fire in this league and his fire has been burning since the moment he's come in it's the most impressive thing for a coach in my opinion isn't so much the rings as it is your ability to create a system like Greg Popovich has done in San Antonio where it don't matter who we draft or who we sign they're going to come in here and play our style of basketball because it works. And there's really only two total coaches and teams that you can say that about the Spurs and the Celtics. All right. So look at the Western conference for a second. Let's say it's, you've already said, you just said the Warriors are going to get to the finals. They're going to sweep the Cavs. So to me, that means you think they're getting by the Rockets pretty easily. Yes. And the reason for that is uh, I live, I live by the mantra. You can't out Warriors. The Warriors. If you're going to come into the building and try and outshoot them, you're going to try and outrun them. You're going to try and outpace them. That's what Dan Tony's been trying to do for two decades. You can't out Warriors. The Warriors. There's no way to do it. They're simply too good. They are the best team at up until this point of all time on paper. They need to close it out. They need to win another championship before you have that conversation. But this is a, a flawless basketball team when Steph Curry's on the floor and he's healthy. And the fact that the Rockets are going to go out there again and just kind of try and shoot their way uh, into the NBA Finals is not going to work. Uh, if this was a sudden death one game, you could believe it in a heartbeat because the Rockets can catch fire. But there are so many possessions in an NBA game now, oh, north of 100 when it comes to pace. And you got to beat them four out of seven times, four out of seven. And they ain't got no home court advantage in Houston. That's, that's, that is one of the quieter crowds left in. I know Houston will come after me for that, but you know what? That's, it's true. Like, I don't feel a home court advantage that's a Utah, like a Philly, like a Boston. It's not daunting to go into Houston. That's the one advantage you got over Golden State. It's not there for me. It's just not. And unless they decide to change their system real quick, um, I see Golden State closing that out in four or maybe a gentleman's sweep. Really? Yeah. They've, they've been polite. They gentlemen sweeped San Antonio to make sure Manu got his nice little goodbye. They did, they're going to do a nice little gentleman sweep with New Orleans, and they'll do a nice little gentleman sweep with the Houston Rockets before they go back to the finals. But they're too explain, good. They're too I, good, man. I understand what you mean by gentleman sweep, but essentially what you're saying is they're going to let them have that one game, sort of feel good, yep. get the home crowd energized, do something nice. Like They're not doing it on purpose, but there's going to be that game where they just don't <laughs> go as hard. Yeah, they, they did not show up to that game four in San Antonio. They were halfway on the plane by halftime. Uh, they got beat in game three by like a drum, but sometimes they just don't show up. And I had a, I think I did a tweet earlier this year that I was watching every Warriors game and every dribble that they play, mainly because Swaggy P and JaVale McGee are on the squad, and I don't want to miss anything. Mm-hmm. But they don't even show up to games anymore. It's like they show up to quarters because they know we don't have to show up to games. We're too good. Granted, it's the playoffs now, and they certainly are showing up to full games. But as soon as they snap their fingers and turn it on, there's not a team, a, a concoction of players that from all other teams in the Western Conference that can beat these guys. It's a system that Steve Kerr's got. I was talking about Popovich and Brad Stevens before. He's built a system that these, that these 
perennial all-stars can thrive in, and that's what makes them a super team, the only super team, is it's not just a collection of talented individuals. Look what happened to OKC. You, put, you just play NBA 2K and you make all these great trades and you put all the stars together, you go out there and you dominate. But it doesn't happen in real life when there's not a system in place to maximize their talents. You just can't beat them at their own game. And I, and I feel like I get the opportunity to buy Warrior stock this year because for three months, everyone was Steph Curry's hurt, Durant's hurt, they don't care, they're going to they're gonna run into more motivated teams. I'm like, I'll take your stock, buy, 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 buy. They even put a plus sign in front of the Golden State Warriors to win the title at one point, buy. You know, what are you guys doing? It's the same Warriors team. They ain't losing. You, you, can, you can record this all you want. They're not losing. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say. I think at one point this year, they were like plus 350 to win the NBA title. Here, it's it's insane. Unless you think they're not, their stars were going to be injured throughout the playoffs. But if your reasoning was they don't have it, then you haven't watched enough games this year to see that they just didn't care. After that seventy-three win campaign, we saw the following season like we don't want to do that again because that was eight months of playing every game like Game Seven, and it just it didn't look like they found it to be worth it anymore. We're not going to match that intensity every single night. So we'll show up when we need to. And then in the playoffs, we're going to wax your ass. I guess what's amazing is that they can do that, that they can turn it on sort of at a whim. And that's always been the challenge for a lot of teams is that they can't. And that's why as a better, it's been hard to buy into them sort of late in the, until late in the season, because you didn't know what you were going to get, which is why I think their price all, all the, as along with the injuries, I think just people were thinking, they're not as motivated as they used to be, and it's hard to turn that switch. It's hard to invest in that. It, oh, it's and it's thoroughly maddening to bet on the Warriors at any point, whether it's the playoffs or the regular season, because they're laying such massive numbers no matter where they go. And then they go up by 20, and they send in McCaw, and they send in uh, Quinn Cook, Looney, and these guys. They're like, oh, God, here we go. And then before you know it, 20's down to 10 just because they don't care. So every game that you bet on the Warriors feels like it comes down to whether Quinn Cook makes that garbage three with 28 seconds left. Uh, and that's just because their bench, you know, just they come in and it's been the same thing for three three years now. Uh, when you're laying that type of number, it's really hard unless you're up by 30 uh, to protect laying that many points. All right. Worldwide Wob, you have made a declaration that the Warriors are going to sweep the Cavs in the finals. Although you have said that uh, you also made a declaration that the Celtic Sixers contest is not over yet, which I'm excited to see, you know, in a future world, how that plays out. Um, Tell us all the places we can find everything you're doing. Sure. Our our program at Cycle here is called Buckets. Uh, Unfortunately, we're on a hiatus at the moment, so we don't have a set return date as to when the program is going to be back live. But you can find us on both ESPN and at BY Cycle on Twitter. Cycle is the name of the content creation company here that uh, works uh, under uh, 24-7 Laundry Service, the ad agency, and we produce content. Uh, we, uh, we work with brands. We, we do shows like Buckets, um, all that good stuff. So um, definitely check us out. If you haven't already, uh, we live on the Internet. So um, if you're looking for... We, what we like to say on Buckets is it's not just a basketball culture, it's a, it's a lifestyle. So if you're looking for that type of uh, experience, certainly Buckets and Cycles for you. I will tell you, it's a great show. I hope it comes back soon. We produced a Super Bowl pregame betting show 
and a Super Bowl halftime show and a Super Bowl postgame show. And um, it was the first thing that we tried at the Action Network. We did it in February, obviously. We'd only launched in January. And um, I sent uh, episodes of Buckets to the guy who was producing it saying, our show needs to look and feel like this. Really, really good. So uh, what you guys are doing at Cycle generally is really interesting. Um, Thanks for coming on the podcast, man. It was great to have you. Great basketball conversation. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what you text and to whom when you get back your buddy who foolishly bet that the Nets would win more than 30 games. So uh, please keep us posted and you come back and tell that Vegas story. Yeah, I'm always open for hypothetical bets with Twitter, too. I bet the city of Philadelphia they wouldn't win 43 games, and I lost. So I had to write every single, every single person an apology letter and eat my bet ticket live on buckets. So I'm always down to do them. Oh, that's beautiful. I didn't even know that. We can just we can just catalog you know all those on Action Network, and we can start sending traffic your way. <laughs> well, I'm we going to get a lot of, I'm going to get drunk, and then I'm going to end up betting stupid things with people that I have no upside, just just for pride purposes, and then it's going to turn into a thing. But yeah, so you know what? Put it up, put it up there, and I'll take a look. <laughs> we can periscope it. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> live, live, uh, taking bets live with the Action Network. Uh, make me an offer. And it's kind of like a deal or no deal. You make a bet. And if you're willing to eat your Jersey, the, the entire Jersey, if you lose, maybe that's something I'll be interested in. So I'll tell you what, you know, what people can, people can do, people can go into uh, the buffet page on iTunes and in the reviews, they can write what the bet they want to make with you. We will send them to you and you can start tweeting out those. You can decide which ones you want to take and you can do a little programming about it. Sounds good. But if you're listening to this, make sure it's an offer that is legit. Like, I don't want to see no lopsided offers, the unrealistic things. I can't write 14,000 letters again. I'm only going to do that once. So come with some creativity and we'll get back to you. I mean, that's the beauty of this is you can make the choice, right? Like anybody can post anything they want in the review section. And then so collectively, we can decide which ones you want to pursue and which ones aren't worth your while. Well, make me a bet on the Warriors. I'm saying the Warriors are going to walk through the finals and sweep the Cavs. I'm willing to willing to take action on it. So use that as your crux. And, um, yeah, I'll look right, forward people. to seeing what comes in. You heard it. Worldwide Wob, go to our iTunes page, go to the buffet, type in your bets. Let's see what you can get him to do for you. Follow him at world underscore wide underscore Wob on Twitter. Honestly, it is probably the best NBA follow on Twitter. Um Thanks for doing this, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time, Chad. Talk to you. Next up on the podcast, we originally thought it was going to be uh, Stucky, who wrote this great story about all the prop bets that he's willing to take uh, from fans, like things that aren't on board that he'd love to bet. And then we were bringing on Lauren Joffe because she had some ideas on this too. Of course, Stucky, while confirming, has now disappeared and has not responded to anybody's texts. So... We're going to merge, probably we're going to morph from being just irritated to, you know, sending in an APB to find Stucky at some point. But while we were chatting, Joffe, you brought up a very interesting theory to me, which is the idea of hate betting. Explain to me where this comes from. Basically, just comes from me making bets based on nothing but out of irritation for a specific person or like, like for instance, um, my ex-boyfriend played for uh, USC 
And so he, whenever, we, you know, we'd be playing them or anyone would be playing them for that matter. Um, I would bet against it just because I wanted him to be annoyed and sad and miserable. Like that was literally my only reason for doing it. There was no numbers to back anything up. It was just, I'm going to do this because that way I can root for his misery. <laughs> and I mean, and that's just an example. That's one example. I mean, they get, they get really bad for a while. I had an ex, I had another ex-boyfriend who, uh, whose dad was a huge Cubs fan. This was, this was way back in the day. And, uh, and he was, and he was going to go uh, to the World Series, and he was so excited. And I was like, "No, I don't really want his dad to have any fun." I mean, like, I mean, there was, you know, there was more behind this, but whatever the, whatever the point is, I like really, I rooted against the Cubs just for that purpose, and I actually felt guilty afterwards. I really felt like I'd been the reason why, but I, but I won the bet, so you know. Oh, well. Why are you filled with such rage, Jaffe? Why are you vindictively betting against people? I, I, I don't, I, I think it has to do just with part of it. I think is I'm, I'm jealous that perhaps my teams haven't been there. So I don't want anyone else to be there. Um, I, I think that I just, I, I think I need to do more with my life currently. Um, I don't know. That's, you know, I well, think that's probably what, yeah. what more do you need to be doing? Explain to people, <laughs> explain to people <laughs> what exactly you aren't doing or are you doing that like needs you to do more? Well, I'm, I'm currently I, about a year ago. Um, I, I moved, I, I got sick. I'm all better now. It was nothing, you know, whatever. I'm fine. Um, and I moved to DC because that's where my parents were living and they wanted me to see doctors here, yada, yada, yada. So meanwhile, I'm, I'm here and I'm going insane living. I mean, I'm an adult living with her parents. It's, it's, it's driving me crazy. Um, I, I don't know anyone here and, um, I don't like it here. So pretty much I get rage built up from that. And, um, and I have to spend it somewhere. So, you know. And so my, my guess is you are spending it on your hate bets. And, that would, yes. And on Twitter. That's what I think. Oh, Twitter for sure. Because I don't have, I mean, like, I have my dogs here, but, you know, they, they get, they only can, like, listen to so much of what I have to say. So I have to tell someone. And Twitter's a good place to do that. Um, you know, I don't like to necessarily start fights with people, but it happens. And, you know, I realized, like, I, I remember I was telling my friend, I was like, oh, my God. So today on Twitter, and they they looked at me like I was crazy. Um, but that's literally that that that's somewhat of what I've been doing, um, which, you know, is made for some good content, I suppose. Um, but, you know, I'm also going crazy, so. Well, you know, I'm in favor of you going crazy. Um, when people ask me about <laughs> Joffe, I'm like, she's great. Uh, she's crazy, but she's totally great. But it also means that you're doing great content for us. Like your column this week is fantastic and you're going to do another column for us. So 
That's the aim. That really is the aim. Listen, I'm a mercenary. Honest to God. If your (laughs) lack of mental well-being leads to better content for the Action Network, by God, I'm all for it. I I mean, and you know what? And I am at the point where I, I still think it's funny. Like, I mean, I, I remember telling people, like, when I was younger, I'm like, if you lock me in a room for, like, a year by myself, I think I would still come out laughing. Like, I think I'm funny. <laughs> um, so, like, I mean, you know, oh, this is a random, this is a random story, but uh, there was this, there was this guy sit behind us at hockey games growing up, and I just remember him one day going, Lauren, can you, can you play coma just for, like, five minutes? And, and that's sort of always stuck with me is people just, just play coma for like five minutes to like, you know, stop talking or, be, you know, shut up. Anyway, I thought that was funny. He, he basically said to you, can you play dead for five minutes? Yes. Like he wants quiet for five minutes. So oh that, that's God. me like, yeah, that's me like a lot of the time. Um, yeah. But, you know, by all means, exploit it. What are you thinking about in this room by yourself? Like, what is happening in there? I got to know what's going on in your head right now. I mean, I have so many, like, there's just so much, so much things that have happened in my life that have just been, like, insanely weird, like, just, I mean, I could tell stories. It's just stories. I got stories about everything. Um, And they're all true, which is the the craziest part, because I'm terrible at making shit up. So um, they're all true. And crazy. Like I could, I mean, it, specifically, I mean, I, I once had a, had a, uh, a, a, I mean, this one isn't funny as much as it is crazy, but it was just crazy at the time. I'm thinking back to, to when we had this like murderer that was, um, that ended up spending the night in college in, uh, in our, in our dorm room or whatever. Um, I mean, that's a whole other story, obviously, but just, you know, when the cops came at two o'clock in the morning and we had a, we had a homeless guy there that was from Oregon that my other roommate had brought, you know, okay, maybe this is it's too long of a story to get into, but no, 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 no. Is, hold, was, on. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold the phone. Let's go back to the fact that you had a murderer spend the night in your dorm room. Yeah. So what, Unknowing, what is that? Well, at that point, he wasn't a murderer, I don't think. He murdered the next night, I think. You yeah. went to Arizona. So people I know. did go to Arizona. Yeah. So someone that spent the night in your dorm room, like, murdered someone in Tucson the next day? What's the story? What happened? Yeah. Um, basically, we we had a roommate. Like, it was three of my friends, and then we needed one more. So we, like, kind of got, like, a random assigned roommate. And I thought she was totally cool until she showed up and, you know, she was like very into fish and the dead and, and, you know, like two days into school, she's like, Hey guys, I'm out. I'm going on a fish tour. And we're like, okay. So she left to go on a fish tour. Um, she brought back a homeless guy from Oregon and she literally said, Hey guys, this is cat. He's from Oregon. He's homeless. So I brought him here. He's going to stay with us for a while. And we all just kind of went, um, what? But for whatever reason, we allowed it to happen. Anyway, so meanwhile, he's living with us. Um, I, it's Halloween. I go out. I come back home. There's some random guy sitting there. And I'm like, hey, Sloan, that was her name. You know, who is this? And she's like, he bought us some beer. So he's chilling with us. So now I've got a homeless guy and some random guy that bought her beer that are just 
you know, in our place. Next day, she leaves for her second fish tour. So she leaves home this guy that, that she brought back from their first fish tour with us. She leaves. Um, the next, a couple of days later, we get a knock on our door at two o'clock in the morning. Um, and it was the, uh, it was the Tucson homicide or Tucson police department homicide division, um, looking for this guy, um, because he was, there was some chick that was found murdered and he was claiming that we were his alibis. But, um, as it turns out, we were, he was with us the night before. So anyway, he got convicted and he's in, he's in prison. I I did not even know where that question was going to go. That I, I, I mean, I, it's totally off topic. So you know, but but the point, the whole, the funny part of that, if we could get back, that was just that the look on everyone's on the everyone's face, like the, the the cops are knocking on the door at two o'clock in the morning. My roommate's trying to hide the bong. You know, homeless guys pretending he's asleep because he doesn't want to be questioned by the cops. I mean, it was, it was just really funny. Like thinking back, I, I don't it, like. I wouldn't believe that it was true if it didn't happen. There's no way you would believe it's true. Do you think? Do you think there was a chance? Like, like, who did he murder? Did he murder someone he knew? No, apparently, no, some 14 year old girl. I've like gone back and tried to find on the internet and I, it's, I, for whatever reason, I cannot find the information, um, about this at all, but I do, but I a hundred percent remember that it was, yeah, she was mur- murdered, stabbed, um, dumped into a riverbed. Um, yeah. And the whole, this whole time he was claiming that we were his alibis. Um, yeah. I, so I think, it, and no, I think it was a, well, clearly he's just picking up random chicks because he picked up my roommates. So, or my roommate. So, you know, that's his MO, I guess. Like when you look back at the story, do you ever think, oh my God, I came this close to being murdered? Or do you think? Oh, a hundred, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, there's been some dumb things I've done in my life. Like I, we, I drove cross country. And like, literally we decided that we weren't going to stop for anything. So we literally, you know, we're like 18, 19 years old driving across the country the whole entire time. I was like falling asleep at the wheel, literally, um, because she was mad because I didn't want to stop because we were wasting time. I mean, we've been really dumb. We like stopped in some gas station and slept in the car. I woke up to like random people looking in us. Like, yeah, there's a lot of things that I'm like, how did I not die? But, um, yeah. See, I don't know why you have such hate in your heart and you, and you need to be <laughs> vengeful. If I were you, I'd be feeling really lucky and thinking, wow, I've, I've made it through so many times. Like, I'm playing with house money right now. <laughs> I, to, to a degree. I mean, I, the, hate is most, you, the hate usually stems from, from boys is usually where it stems from. Um, it messes my heart. Sad face. Um, but that, that's mostly where that rage comes from. But yes. But anyway, the point of the whole thing, I think it'll be funny. And I have a lot of stories to tell myself again. Listen, I think you're hilarious. Um, I think Thanks. that there is something to be done 
about the combination between hate betting and sort of the emotion that overtakes people and needing to separate that from the actual science of betting? It's something I, I, I'm, I'm working on. Um, I definitely am working on that. There's, you know, like like I told you, the the the, the Philly bet the other day um, was done 100% out of just irritation for someone. Um, like I didn't look at numbers, didn't look at anything. That might have been. You half, might have to explain that story because that might have been before, while we were waiting for Stucky. Oh, basically, um, um, Chad and PJ um, had a side me bet. And, me, that would be uh, me and PJ Walsh, right, one of our editors. Sorry. And, and we were yeah. <laughs> we have we have a Slack channel that is uh, dedicated to side action. Where like if anyone wants to make a bet, they throw it in there, and if they get a taker, then we got a side action alert. And uh, the other day, I offered up uh, I wanted to take Philly minus six and a half over the Celtics uh, in Game Four, which uh, covered. And PJ Walsh, one of our editors, came in and said he liked Boston. And you were in the channel, and you then were I joining. chimed in. Yeah, yeah, and I said I'm like, yep, I'm taking that bet. You were taking Boston. Obviously, we both lost. Yeah, I was taking Boston. Um, and I legitimately had not looked at numbers, any dad, nothing. I just was like, you know what? There's this guy in this group chat that I'm in, and, you know, he is nonstop. Philadelphia is the best. Philadelphia rules. Everyone else sucks. And I've just had it. So I said, I'm, I'm just going to I'm rooting against him. Like, I'm going to put money here because I need, like, that's how mad I was. Huh? Whatever. Yeah. I lost. Easy whatever. come, easy go. The flip side is <laughs> I could have been murdered when I was in college. So really, what does it matter if I lose a bet? <laughs> really, in the grand scheme of things. Um, it's no big know. deal. It really isn't a big deal. You know. Um, oh, my God, Joffy. Listen. Yeah, I know. Uh, you're going to have a column up that goes up probably today. You will have another one that probably goes up later this week. They're recording this on Tuesday. It's going to post on Wednesday. People can read Lauren Joffe um, at the Action Network, actionnetwork.com. They can follow you at the Spin Zone. I'm glad Stucky blew us off. I'm going to fucking call him. I'm kind of pissed. You know, fuck Stuck. But um, otherwise, we would have huh. gotten – at least close to some of the uh, deep-seated issues that you're uh, that you're wrestling with right now. I think I think you really got, <laughs> got a lot to work through here. But I swear I'm totally normal. I really am. Totally, totally a totally normal person who thinks she's hilarious uh, sitting by herself <laughs> in her parents' house. I think. Yes, that would be accurate. <laughs> totally. Keep writing those stories, though. They're doing great. Oh, I will. I will. I will. <laughs> All right, Joffy. Thank you very much. All right, thank you. All right, bye. 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 bye.